Let's do it, man. Let's do it. And um, so Mike Andler, been been knowing you for or following you, watching you for about a year. I would say like, um, man, you're involved in a lot of really cool stuff. I've just photography, you, just documenting your life and sharing positive experiences. Like, man, I've, I've kept up with a lot of things that you post and it's like, I've never once come to your page and been like, oh man, that guy kind of brought me down today, you know? It's always like, it's always something positive, which like, man, especially right now, uh, even amid, uh, you know, the pandemic, it's, uh, it's still, it's still positivity. I was like telling Colby, he was over, we were eating dinner last night and I was like, Hey man, Mike Andler's live. And like, we just set it down. Like we're just watching it. Cause it's like, Oh, well, this is not d divisive in any way. This is not negative. We'll see what Steve's doing today. You know? So it's, it's almost like I feel like I'm watching a version of the Truman Show when I pick up my phone. It's like, if I'm gonna consume content on Facebook, I'd rather look at your photos of concerts and videos and share your content than some of the other the, the headlines that are like, share me. You know, those ones that you just, you see a headline, it's like, ah, oh, something, something divisive. And man, it's, uh, I, I wanna be, uh, I want to put that content out there. I'm a historian, so I comment on a lot of social issues as well. I, I teach uh, history at a college here nearby. But man, you've been uh, a part of some incredible music history, right? Chris Floyd was telling me that you started following the dead in 89 also, is that true? Uh, 80, yeah, 88. 88, wow. 88. What? Uh, well, uh, so sorry. I'm Technically, yes. My first, I started following them in 89. Yes. So my first show was in early 89. Uh, so what was that like? Uh, I mean, just getting to see that history. I mean, that's something me coming into the scene that I've been in since 2015. And when I hear about people seeing the dead, I'm like immediately mind blown by that. I know that kind of maybe sounds like uh infant in my musical taste but it's just something that i didn't get into until i was a, an adult i'm 33 years old now and uh but now like when i go to somebody that's uh go to a panic show and they're like yeah i saw jerry play live i'm like oh, you know it just what was that like to witness the dead at that time so um a number before i answer that you know and i want to i want to thank you for um, what you just said about the content that I put out was quite honestly one of the most validating things that I have heard that is related to my content, for lack of a better word. My, my, we'll call it my content or my presence or my um, really intention as it relates to Facebook. And um, it's probably it's worth mentioning that at this point I'm almost exclusively a Facebook user, um, I I or a Facebook content creator, if you will. Um, I do have a a Tiny Head Experiences YouTube channel. I don't really I, I don't do a whole lot on it at the moment, um, but the reason that I'm that I'm pointing this out about Facebook is because. It was a very specific decision that I made 
<clears throat> and it was a decision that was in part, uh, I, and I would say a big part, a result of the fact that I was, uh, I was a organizational VP at MySpace for quite a number of years. And this is not something that really many people such as you have any idea about, but I was a senior VP of tech for MySpace for the last six and a half years of its existence. And while I was there, I witnessed Facebook come into existence and then Facebook essentially overtake what we had built at MySpace. And during that time, I was exposed to an enormous amount of social media um, uh, phenomena, phenomena, phenomenon, phenomena, shit. And, um, you know, I was, I, I was a part of multiple subpoenas where there were, you know, child predator cases going on. There were multiple murder cases that, that occurred during the span of the, the existence of MySpace. And there was an enormous number of technology systems in place that were, that were developed and run by teams that I managed. And their sole purpose was content review and image review and basically removal, identification and removal of bad content. And uh, I, I watched as this, this trend evolved and I watched with where the, the social network bullying started way, way, way back, you know, before there was Facebook, we were dealing with MySpace bullying cases. And I think that over the years, what, what happened is I started really getting a, a very clear understanding of just how destructive content could be on these networks. And I just one day, and there, I remember roughly when this happened, it was, it was about, it was somewhere around three, let's see, it was, it was right around three years ago was when it really kicked in. I just made a decision. You know what? I, there's no point in me propagating things that are negative, me being the source of things that are negative, me responding to other people's content with negativity. Like it, it's, it ceased to make sense to me as adding any type of value whatsoever to the to humanity and so i so initially it was a very very deliberate decision like a rule that i set for myself you know I, and it even it even extended and still to a to a pretty large degree extends into sarcastic just comedy which i'm a huge huge fan of a lot of people don't know this because they think that, you know, they, they may think what you, what you said, which is true, but they also may, may have this notion that everything's really serious with me. There's always been this idea, Mike is really serious or Mike is too serious. Mike is actually really passionate. And when a topic is serious, I'm pretty passionate about it in probably a serious way. I take my photography, I take videography seriously, I take relationships seriously. 
But if we start getting into topics like sarcasm and just pure comedy, it's a fucking joker fest. And so my, my decisions of what, what I want to represent and embody as it relates to the propagation of things that have to do with my life, they always, they always have to go through this test of, is this like, is there a value to this? Am I just, am I just posting, you know, the, the, the cry for help posts that are, that, that you have to do, you have to solve a little riddle about the person and ask them a lot of questions and just give them a lot of attention because they want to, you know, they want to kind of play with you to get attention about whatever their problem is. And a lot of the times it's not really a problem. It's just someone wanting to bitch about an aspect of life that, you know, we all have to deal with. So, uh, so it's really intentional for me and it's, it's become something that is very important to me because as you've, I'm guessing has, as you've seen, it's not all about, you know, Mike going for an ice cream sundae and, you know, Mike going to concerts. It's also when Mike is in a deep depression and when Mike is dealing with the most, the, the most obscure and heartbreaking dynamic between myself and Steve, that anyone, you know, people read these things about Steve the dog and they're like, why is, I can't even imagine this. Like, it, like, Mike and Steve having a problem makes no sense to people because they've seen so much of this day-to-day -day positive, great experience with, with him. But for me, it's critical that it's not just those happy days. It's just, it has to be a, a true representation of all the things that are going on. And so, you know, I, I think that at the end of the day, it's, um, it's really valuable to express yourself and express the good and the bad, but to do it in a way where it's, it, it, it rises above just being negativity for the sake of negativity. It, you know, that doesn't help anyone. It doesn't, it's not inspirational. It doesn't, it, it, sometimes it's even awkward. You read these things and you're like, fuck, like, I mean, clearly, there's something very negative being expressed and that's okay. We all, we have our, we have our moments where we're, we're, we're not in a good place, but to express it in a way where it's, it, it's hard for someone to know where to go with it, except to just jump on top of it and say, Oh yeah, that's fucking awful. Like, yeah, that sucks. You should go burn that person's house down, you know, steal their car. Like some of the stuff that we see is completely ridiculous. And I just, I, I was exposed to these things very early on with social media, with MySpace. So that's kind of the long story, but it's really appreciated because of course the, the intention is to inspire people or to, you know, for someone, even if it's just one person, even if it's just you, Brian Wilson, you're like, yeah, man, I, I like watching this fucking lunatic walking his dog because it's just it's it makes me happy it's better than someone bitching about the politics even if it's just one person that's you know the the, the job is done the the objective has been met and 
I was having a conversation, and I'm gonna I'll answer your question about the grateful hey, dead. Yeah, in just keep a second, going, but man. This, this is this great. is a really really important topic, um, and it came up it came up with me uh, during the past week. Actually, I was having a conversation with someone about the topic of social media and content creation, and um, I've I've gotten you know I've stepped pretty deep into some fairly unique uh, live streaming techniques and types of content. And I'm, I'm doing some very experimental things. And for the most part, it's all because it's really, really interesting to me. It's interesting to me to see whether just looking out over the balcony and doing a live stream of traffic set to music is something that is worth watching. And it's interesting to me if it's something that's worth filming. But on the other side of that, I think it's just, it's human nature to want people to actually like it. Like you don't, you, you're doing it for yourself. If, if you're smart, you're doing it for yourself because then at least you know that you're going to succeed regardless, but you hope that people are going to like it. But they're not always going to like it. And if you're going to expect that they're always going to like it, then essentially you're, you're setting yourself up with basically a fear of failure or an unwillingness to fail. And then that's just going to paralyze you and you're not going to ever experiment or innovate outside of your comfort zone. So at any rate, I was having a conversation with someone just this past week and I was talking about this because it's something that I, I'm, I'm willing and able and, and interested in expressing the fact that yes, I actually do give a shit if people like the content. Like, yep, I'm raising my hand. I am going to admit that Facebook is about other people giving attention to whatever you're doing. And so the balance of that though is that and this is what the person the the comment that this person made to me they said look if if someone opened up facebook and they saw you person you don't even know they saw your live stream and it was you and you were walking steve the dog because i was using that example I've, i said you know i'm i'm sure that i that you'll see me later with a ridiculous stream of steve the dog and i'm like i just i think it's really a unique perspective it's just a little dog walking around and he's not on a leash and ha most of the time i'm not saying anything and it's just not something you see very often so i think it's cool and this person he said to me you know you never know who might be watching that someone could be in a really bad spot they could see you with Steve the dog and it could inspire them to go adopt a dog that day. And I'm like, holy shit. Like I never thought of that as being an outcome, but it's exactly right. And so if you think of, if you think of the content as something that you're doing first and foremost for your own self care and inspiration and, and, life journey but if you just reach one other person with it if one other person watches this podcast and they're like hey you know these guys have they're talking about music and podcasts and this and that and the other and they're inspired well 
then our job is done. So it's so the topic of social media to me is really, really a deep and significant one. And I think a lot of it is because, as very few people know, I was running a social media development team for quite a long time. And, you know, back in the day when you had 120 million users, as we did, that was a fuck ton. Then Facebook came around. It's not a fuck ton anymore, but, you know, be that as it may. So um, way before MySpace and Facebook, though, were the days of the Grateful Dead. And nice segue there, man. I thought Beautiful. it was good. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> it's a very interesting question. And um, it's an interesting question. I think it'll be especially interesting for you, maybe so for other people that are, that are hardcore into panic. Um, I was introdu <clears throat> introduced to the Grateful Dead within months of when I was introduced to widespread panic. And what happened was, I think that I kind of latched on to the, um, I knew that the Grateful Dead was a, was a big thing. It, there was, I knew that there was something like, there was this, there was a, there was a history, there was this big entity that, that I, that was way too big for me to really know what it was all about. But I did know that it was all about something and I gravitated to it pretty hardcore. And because of that, I, was pretty solo focused on going to see Grateful Dead shows for quite a long time. Now, fast forward 30 years or so, kind of the same thing has happened with Panic. And I just got immersed into it. And I had, it had been a gradual role for years and years and years through many different cities. But I came to a place where really the same thing happened. And I just was, fell deep into that culture and into the people, into you know everything that we have with widespread panic. Back in 1989, there was a, a huge, huge difference in falling into the Grateful Dead in that way versus, you know, eight or 10 years ago, or even two years ago, falling into widespread panic that way. And the difference is that the first Grateful Dead show I went to, I think there were, I'll have to look up the, uh, the capacity. It was in a Coliseum. There was, there was you know, 10, 10 to 25,000 people. But the second Grateful Dead concert I went to, there were 80,000 people. That was at RFK Stadium. And there were another probably 30,000 all around the parking lots camping for the, the two days. So what it was like to, 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 uh, to answer your question is it was, it was very similar to widespread panic, the, the widespread panic experience, as I like to call it the people, the music, 
the the culture, the the kindness, the drugs, the alcohol, the travel, um, obviously the music, the connection with the band members, just like all of that, there was that was there, but it was there within the context of an enormous micro, microcosm is not the right word, an enormous or organism of people that was, you know, it, and at my, within a year, I was, I had been to shows where there were 95, I think 95,000 people. Um, I remember there was, I remember the 110,000 was a number from uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts, which was in a show in 1990. So the scale of the, the culture um, was so much larger that at least my immersion into it and my immersion at that time was very, very different than than an equal immersion, if you will, into widespread panic. And I think that that, that to me is, um, is something that is truly unique to panic. And there's other bands that are coming around. I'm sure that, that you want to chat about all different music here and there. So I can tell you that a, a band that I've re- somewhat recently become familiar with and that I think will will experience a very similar thing as Goose and the 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 idea that panic can have this extremely tight small show vibe where literally we all know each other I mean we you and I've never spoken until 20 minutes ago ever and you within 30 seconds of our conversation you mentioned your best friend is someone who I'm very close friends with as well. So that level of, you know, one degree of separation is something that we have, or to a large degree, we have, many people have in the panic community. And without that, the Grateful Dead experience was a very different one. Doesn't mean it was better or worse, but for someone like you who who has entered into the mix when you did with panic to do that would not have looked like my experience it would have looked like someone's experience from you know 20 years before my experience and what would be really cool is to continue this conversation on another show with someone who did have that experience to to see you know because the interconnectivities of how the cultures have developed and how how panic will continue to evolve if they do in in this type of way it's very interesting and you know i have no clue how that's going to be and it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to even fathom what it would have been like to go to a grateful dead show at the size venue that I saw my first panic show, which was Ziggy's in North Carolina. And it was literally in LA. It's very expensive to have a lot of square footage. I don't have a lot of square footage and Ziggy's was fucking smaller than my condo. So um, I, that was, 
that was not the experience that I had with the Grateful Dead at all. They were, they, they're, it's, it's hard for me to even compare the two, even though there are so many similarities. So how's that? That's good. That's good. Right. You know, and so like I was, when I was, when I first met Z-Man, he was asking me questions about panic and when, and it, this came up again. I mentioned when I was on the phone the other day, he's like, blew his mind that I didn't hear about widespread panic till 2015. And Colby was like, Hey man, you want to go to this widespread panic show with me? It, the two Arkansas shows are the first two times I saw him, then Memphis in May. Um, what, were the, then, what, were, what were the dates of Arkansas? Uh, I didn't was, go to those shows. It was 2015 and 2016. Um, okay. I can't remember the dates. I've got the posters um, from the, the of course show. It is. Yeah. <laughs> That's my studio. I haven't hung it all up yet, but I've got so much. I mean, I, have, I haven't even been collecting that long and I'm, right. I'm out of space on my walls already. <laughs> yeah. But man, that is something also unique that I love about Panic is their artwork is just... It's amazing. And Jeff Wood's artwork is out of this world, man. I just, it's, it's like a, a nice little side note within the community. There's so many things to consume and it's, they're a part of the community too. So why would yeah. I not want to consume their stuff? Yeah. Uh, but it is interesting like so i know that like when panic in the streets happened that's like an eighty thousand person crowd right did, did you was that just like their largest show or did you see them have some similar shows like is mikey passing away like why and then maybe losing a little momentum perhaps why i didn't hear about him i don't know um i i i'm not gonna represent that opinion at all not because it's it may be right i don't, i've never thought about it and and i'm not i i don't even think i want to start thinking about it now because interestingly just quickly coming back to the uh social media topic and you know i'm very 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 quiet about statements like this one that i'm going to make but I feel really strongly about it. And I, in fact, I've never made a statement on this topic. I've never publicly made a statement on this topic, but it's, I think that the, this, this trend, this, this tendency, and I'm not by any means suggesting that, that your, your question is a case of this at all, but, but the, the discussion and the way that it evolves on panic streams really probably the best example about this sort of Mikey versus George yeah, versus the comparisons. Jimmy discussion. It's one that to anyone who watches this, um, that discussion, in my opinion, is it's a it's a disservice to everyone. It's not just a disservice to the person who is on the losing end of the comparison. It's even a disservice, I think, to the person on quote winning end of the comparison. If it's Jimmy and Mikey, it's it's not even helpful. And George, even George, I mean George too. It's, even it, even it's, Sam Holt. I love listening to Sam Holt shows. And so the you know what I'm not saying is that you you. I'm not suggesting people shouldn't have their opinion and even express their opinion, but I, but I wish that the expressing of the opinions on this topic 
And same thing, Todd and Dwayne, you know, the same thing, the same exact Lavitz and JoJo. Um, it's, we, we should honor all of these band members in precisely the same way. And, you know, if you got your favorite, have your favorite. I mean, most people have their favorite band member that's ex currently in the band, but, but you don't hear them saying, yeah, you know, JB's better than Dave. Like it's, 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 it, 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 it makes no sense. So it doesn't make any more sense. I don't think when it's with, you know, with previous band members. So I, that's kind of the, the, a passionate way of me saying that I, I didn't ever, I didn't ever get to a place where I was like, you know, hardcore in favor of, of one member versus another member. But what I will say is that over the past six years or seven years for, for a large portion of the, the total number of shows that I've seen, it's been the existing lineup. And I, I mean, I, I'm every show that I go to, I'm completely, I leave the venue astonished at how amazing these musicians are. So, um, I think that the answer to the question you asked about why the, well, number one, I didn't go to Panic in the Streets. And I don't believe that there has been a larger show, but I, I well, I'm reasonably certain that there hasn't been a larger show. I don't know what the next largest has been. Um, but, you know, I don't think I went to a show that was under 20-ish for the Grateful Dead, not that I yeah, could, not boy. that I could name, and most of them were considerably larger than that. And I mean, if I had to just throw out my my opinion on it, I think that it's because Panic has 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 very intentionally um, created and evolved themselves in a way that is um that is about having a close community and about have and about this this uh you know tightness and you can't have that when it's a huge show so you know if i go through if i go through from the early days when i saw panic the first time to when i'm i went out to school in colorado i saw him quite a number of times there i saw the when they first played uh, Red Rocks and Open for Blues Traveler, I saw that show. Um, wow. I, and then in Boston, I saw a, quite a number of shows that were at, you know, medium, small to medium-sized venues. And I just think that it's, I think that they've, this is what they've wanted. I think they've wanted to be a band that is just like the band that they are. And that means that for us fans, you know, we have to deal with things like it being a giant nightmare to get tickets. And um, it's unfortunate. I, I, that's an area that I really would like to see some evolving, whether it's from, you know, whether it's the band going to purely mail order or whether it's a more, a more um, appropriate way of representing those of us who that, you know, this is a huge portion of our life. And so 
having it so that at least it can it can be a smooth smooth process for us to all be a part of it and continue being a part of it i think that would be great but you know i think the band is is doing all that they can to continue performing at it at an elite the highest of the highest level with the with the best of the best overall production while still keeping it you know, for the most part, a, a thing that miraculously people we talk to, I mean, the, the question that I get most often is, what is widespread panic? I don't, they don't, they, they can't even, they don't even gather that it's music or a concert I'm going to. So a lot of people think I'm going to see panic at the disco. And that panic at the disco, I've had, I had a best friend within the past year, best friend from out here in LA, a somewhat newer best friend, but someone I'm very close to, he moved. And a month after he moves, he's like, sends me a text. He's like, dude, I finally, I finally heard of, I finally know what you've been talking about with panic. And he sends me a link to a panic in the disco video. And I'm like, no, you don't. So <laughs> it's, I think it's all by design. I, I think it's That's all great. by design. I've never, I mean, I've, I've seen that. Like, I mean, I've got to be keeping it that way to an extent. You know, I heard, I, I've been really loving Sam Holt's live streams he's been doing. And he told a story before, which he, he doesn't talk a ton when I'm listening to him, at least. I, I haven't listened to like whole ones all the way through. I usually, he'll be playing while I'm eating dinner or something and I'll turn it on. But he told a song about Don't Tell the Band, the song. Did you hear that story? I did not. Well, he was kind of saying that at that time, I think that album might have come out in like 99, but I could be wrong on that. It, I know it was late 90s, early 2000s, but he said like the band had got to a point where if anything happened, it was like off off key or something within like the, not the performance side, but it'd be like, hey, don't tell the band. Like that the band was getting to this level that... um they you know that was something that that was a very big narrative on that album they named the album that and they didn't they wanted to name they said that the artist who did that artwork i can't remember who it was it wasn't somebody had heard of uh wanted to do thought sausage for the artwork and, and for it for the for the name of the album and they were like no it's going to be named don't tell the band for this reason and uh, i thought that was very interesting but man i remember i was watching them perform at Vegas with Cora, my wife and Colby. What, uh, um, what, and you were sharing, you were, uh, this would have been 18. You were sharing videos from it the other day. Okay. I believe with the go-go dancers. Yeah. Right. And I just like, I felt that you said the same thing about the dead, man. I, I, I'm, I'm sitting there and I just had this overwhelming sense of attachment or, or just connection to this, this history. I was like, this is these guys. Like I just realized it while I was there. I was like, they have such an amazing history. Like Dave Schools at 420 Fest last year, um, or no, it was Jason Isbell saying that Dave Schools bought the Truckers their first band to tour in. Like stuff like that. I hear how they've like helped artists and stuff over the years. And it just like is some of the most inspiring stories. And as a historian, like honestly, if I was gonna, I don't have a PhD. And the girl I went to grad school with has been in PhD school for six and a half years. 
and I don't, I, I, I may never get one, but it's like, if I was going to write, I, I know a, a guy that wrote his dissertation on the truckers. He went to ASU, got a, a doctorate in philosophy, wrote his on the cultural impact of the drive-by truckers. But I just had this realization. I'm like, man, that's a, that's a, this is a doctoral dissertation, this band, oh, yeah. you know, and yet, so as a historian, yet I see like everybody I talk to, like you and your friend, like the panic at the disco thing or who, who's widespread panic. People make funny videos that are like, you know, panic should write some hits. Right. Yet they're the only person, only entity that's ever played a song that made me cry. Right. I've never cried. At, uh, I mean, I guess I've like teared up, but man, I cry listening to panic all the time. But at a live show is the uh, listening to panic. It's the only time I've ever cried. I kind of was telling you about that. I'm getting kind of like worked up thinking about know. it, you know, you, you want to, do you want to take a minute, get a Kleenex? No, I'm good. But, but, so, man, uh, before, but hang on, before you go, just because I don't want to forget to ask this. So I think it was, it was during that run that 2018 run, I think that they played "Don't Tell the Band." Wasn't it one of the songs played? Yes. So, so that was, this is just a, a a side note, but it's this has happened with many many songs. I'm sure, or I, perhaps I saw that song played at some show that I went to 25 years ago, but I don't even know all the shows that I went to 25 years ago. Point being, and this that night was an example of this. I knew of the song. I had heard probably little clips here and there, but but I did not consciously recall having heard it played. And two notes into it, I, first of all, I knew that that's what it was, but I like instantaneously, it was my fucking favorite song. So that's something that's happened for me quite a number of times because of the the way that I, you know, from day one to today, how that has happened over the course of such, you know, 30, this 30 year period. And I was all different places in life. I was physically living in different places. I was going through different things. I was, you know, I, half, half of those shows way back in the early days, who knows how wasted I could have been. And so it's like, the, that's part of the experience for me also is like every show I rediscover a new thing. Even having been to a hell of a lot, especially in, in, you know, in the past few years, a whole lot of shows, there's nothing I'm chasing. There's just things that I happen to be there when they play. And I'm like, holy fuck, like how did I get so lucky for that? So Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt on that, but no, no, no. This is uh, man. This has turned out to be a fantastic conversation. Thanks again for taking yeah, the time. Um, but man, like I've listened. To, like I, I said this after I like broke down and started crying at that show to Colby, because Colby looked over at me and like Jimmy, Jimmy's playing, just like smiling at JB, and just everybody is in this harmonious synchronization, and they're like, like the look on Jimmy's face of just like the sheer happiness and like him just like nodding at JB and Colby said something to me like he doesn't even know what he's doing to us right now because he he just like saw me cued in onto Jimmy and I was like he really doesn't he doesn't know how he's making me feel 
and maybe he has a concept, right? But like at that thought, that's what like tipped me over the edge. I was just like, I've ne- I've been listening, and I, I, I in my head at that moment, I was like, I've been listening to music my whole life, and this is the only band ever make me feel this way, right? Oh. Like that's truly special. <clears throat> that's that's I. And people, I, I, there was a period of time where I wasn't listening to any other bands until the Tool album came out. I feel like you might have been on a. You're so. Oh, it's it's okay. I want to respond. I want to respond, but but I'm fucking thrilled that you just made that comment. So the sidebar is is it's a not just a sidebar here. So this topic of you crying and then tying it into, you know, Jimmy doesn't know what he's, how he's making you feel. So number one, I don't, I, I'm not sure. I don't recall whether I have cried or teared up at an, at another concert. I potentially have, I, and I'll think of one at some point, I'm sure. But what I can tell you that I did at Panic is uh, one of the occasions was um, I think it was actually, I know it was, it was the week, it wasn't even a week before those, uh, those Halloween shows, because that year, uh, Milwaukee was like, it was like, well, it was the, the previous weekend. So I left Milwaukee, went, came back here to LA. And then Thursday I drove to, to Vegas. But, uh, that Milwaukee show, I was on the rail and I was, I was pretty much right in the center. I was slightly, slightly Jimmy side, like one person, maybe two people. And Milwaukee is, uh, it's a small stage. It's like the band is like, it's, it's like the opposite stage to the park theater. And uh, they played protein drink sewing machine as the it was either i think it was the last i think it was the encore if i'm not mistaken and um don't recall whether it was saturday or sunday night but i want to say it was sunday night and that's another one of those songs where i didn't hear it until you know, after they had played it quite a number of times, but the first time I heard it, which first time I, I realized it was in Playa, my first year, Playa 3, and I couldn't get enough of it. Like, I walked out of the show, and then I was just singing and humming Protein Sewing Machine, machine like, for weeks and weeks after. So when they started it in uh, Milwaukee, I was completely overcome with emotion to the point where I, I filmed the whole show and I, I, it's, I posted it recently. I'll repost it and tag you just to kind of this little, in, in, in honor of this little chat we're having. But for the entire time, the whole song, I was hysterically crying and so to your point that they don't know what they're doing to us, they do know what they're doing to us. Because in this particular case, I was openly weeping, pouring tears while I mean, they filming. I mean, they probably see that. 
while, while filming. Yeah, I, it was the first time I had done it and on the rail and um, and I was like, fuck it. Like, I, you know, these guys know what I'm all about anyway. They've seen me enough times. Like now they're going to get to see what happens when I have a fucking emotional breakdown three feet in front of them. And so, and it's it, the video, I, I consciously was aware, okay, if you're going to do both of these things at once, then you're going to fucking make the video good nonetheless, which it, you know, it came out really, really good. So. Yeah, man, these, I didn't, you know, I didn't have like a whole lot of like real, I just wanted to talk with you about panic and I knew we would have some really great stories of shows and I would get to hear some great stories of your, that's, I love part of what I love meeting these new people within the community is their stories, man. Like it, this stuff is so interesting to me. I feel like, you know, I, I compare it to this. I was homeschooled until eighth grade. And then when I went to public school, everybody that had been like became my friend, but they had like this other past together, right? Like they had gone to elementary school together. They were in Boy Scouts together. And I'm like, hey, tell me about the Panic Boy Scouts, guys. Like, right. what was it like? <laughs> you know, but it's, um, it has been such an awesome community to, you know, plug into, to be, to be a part of, right? Um, you know, I was listening to, you ever um, read or listened to Meditations? All the time. Uh, okay, well, that's another topic. Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Uh, I've listened to, so I have not listened to, I'm, I'm reasonably familiar with Marcus Aurelius and I can tell you with with absolute certainty that everything that I've read or heard him saying or attributed to him is is mind-blowingly compelling but I but I'm not I have I don't have any like expertise so let's hear it because I I just heard this today actually but he's he was talking about the difference in saying that you're a member of humanity and a part of it yeah. Right. Like that there's so like I was uh, and I wasn't thinking that when I said necessarily, but like it is like the the panic community. You said with the dead, it's like an organism. That's yeah. another great way to describe it. Like and that was the broader point he was making. He was talking about atoms and vapor. And I mean, it was it was a very compelling. Listen, I'm going to try and finish it today. But um, I thought that was profound. Like it's you know, yes, you're you're a part of it. You're not a member of it. You don't pay into, yeah. I, the things I hear when I say like, oh, I'm a member of the country club or something, you know, it's, right. there's no, I don't feel any sense of loyalty uh, to the country club or anything like that. I don't know. I mean, that's maybe not the best metaphor, but like, you know, like all those people you mentioned earlier, it's like, man, I, and not to just like keep like, uh, you know, stroking your whatever, but like you, these people that I plugged into, <laughs> it's like, you're one of them, you know, like, I'm like, okay, well, there's, there's Curtis George, there's, there's Mike, there's Z-Man, there, you know, there's, there's a collection of people within this community that I have found to be like special, right? That I just want to, I want to have a conversation. I want to contribute the conversation into my podcast data bank. And so happens we share a lot of the same um, interests. So it's been uh, no short point of, of, cool topics but uh that's just a cool uh a cool little concept i picked up just today like i was just listening to it so 
Yeah, and I think that to that point, and thank you, it's very nice. It's, it's really humbling, and I, I'm not sure how to respond truthfully, but um, again, I think that I think that being being a part of the community takes no more effort than a willingness to to be open and to to participate in it, and. So, you know, for me, it's had this other little, this other little side element to it, which is this idiotic decision of wearing a tiny hat to a show six or however many years ago. And that has put me in many, many, many more spontaneous conversations than I ever in, in 10 lifetimes would have ever become a part of. And so it, it was almost by, like by default that I got to, got to communicate with and become close with people like Colby and for that matter, people like you. But, it, but at the end of the day, it wasn't by doing anything other than just fucking you know talking to people just like literally just you know in the bathroom line i mean I, when i go to a show in the bathroom line when i come out of the bathroom line i've got 10 new friends so you know it like it's it's a, it's sort of the same the same general philosophy that we were talking about with social media it's like you know just like try to add to add to this try to try to add something that's going to be a a net positive to whatever all the people and whatever this experience is, try to make it somehow a better thing. And truthfully, I mean, I, that carries over for me into anything that I do. If I am, you know, if I walk past someone on the street and Steve's, you know, Steve wants to play with their dog and, you know, they ask me, can they play? I just got this dog a week ago and she's never played with any other dogs. I'm like, Fuck yeah, sure. Like, and I'll stay there for ten minutes and let them play because that's adding something valuable that is that ha it's a positive. So it's at a show, you know, there's there's an endless opportunity to connect with other people. You can do it with the usher. You can do it with the security. You can, when you're going through the metal detector and people are bitching and moaning about how long it's taking or this or that or the other, you can, you know, strike up a conversation with them. And, you know, it's just, it's very easy to have an impact on someone that that's more positive than negative. And, you know, I mean, I like, it's fucked up, but I, I'm just gonna, I'll just come right out and say it. I have multiple security people's contact information on my phone who I text with, who were just employees of venues that I just became buddies with during the course of the weekend. There's a guy in, uh, in uh, a guy named Gary in um, the Maryland, in Oxon Hills, Maryland at the MGM. And the first year that they played there, I think in 2018, 2018 or it's either 18 or 17. And then they played the following year again. 
he and I just became pals during the course of, you know, standing in lines and just chatting and in front of the venue. And I showed up the following year and the dude found me pretty much instantly when I walked into the venue. And, and I mean, I got a text with him, not got a text from not so many months ago. And he's like, Hey man, I guess we're not going to be seeing you guys this year, but hopefully we'll see you again soon. You know, I bought him a poster at the end of the weekend. He saw everyone standing in the line for posters and he was directing the poster line. And so at the end of the, at the end of the weekend, I walked up and surprised him. I was like, here you go, man. Wow. So that was, like, if I'm not mistaken, that was Colby's birthday show that you're talking it? about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. Those were great shows, but it's just like, there's that type of community. I, again, I think it's a result of the size. I think it's a result of the, the number of people and the, the closeness is just easier and, and more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so let's just sidebar on this. I keep looking at your bicep muscles. Well, hang on. No, I'm going to cut you off there because we, right. we didn't go back to a very important topic. <clears throat> I think that what you said is roughly an exact quote. You said, uh, here, let me do this. <laughs> you said uh, there was a period where I didn't listen to anything other than Panic until the new Tool album came out. So we're gonna we're gonna go back to. Okay, that. let's do that. Um, so the new Tool, Tool album came out on August thirtieth of 2019. 2019. Um, so we're actually coming up on a year. It's it's really good that you mentioned this. Um, and I, I'll bring up again for anyone watching. Um, Brian and I have never spoken prior to. We talked for probably three minutes before maybe where this this podcast started, where he where he started recording it. Um, but I was walking Steve the dog just yesterday, and. I, well, I was walking him today too, but this happened yesterday when I was walking him. And uh, I thought to myself, I wonder what we're gonna talk about on this podcast. Like I have this like outline that this guy gave me and you know, I've watched some of his other stuff here and there and like I have some familiarity, but like primarily his podcast, there's a heavy emphasis on jujitsu, which we should talk about after this. And probably the bicep comment can just fold well, into Well, just that. your health and wellness. I know you're a healthy guy. So let's, in a minute, let's talk about that. Yeah, man. Well, we've got, and I got, I got nothing but time. So, you know, um, the, so I had gotten an advanced copy of the Tool album. Uh, I, it was not, it didn't have every track. It did, it was, it was lacking the, I think there's three like super experimental instrumental, like there, I'm not going to call them fillers, but they were, they, they're, they're fillers, they're intermissions sort of, I think they're fucking badass, but like, I don't, I never fast forward through them ever. Even when I'm like, I just want to hear a little bit of tool. If that's where it is, then that's what's going on. And I'm going to, I'm going to like get what I need out of it. 
but uh, I had I got it I think the 28th or 27th and on a on just a download and I remember I was sitting just across the room from where I am right now when I got this and I remember vividly I put on my pair of headphones and I was kicking back and I and well we can tie this into the health and wellness if we if we so choose but I do know that I had eaten an edible t- microdose of cannabis probably an hour or so before I started and I had also fin- I just worked out somewhere pretty close to when I did this so I was in a super relaxed frame of mind and I was like I was ready for a new tool album and been a hardcore tool fan since uh, 89, since the very early days. My brother, one day he came home, he's like, hey man, here, you should check this band out. And I did. And I've now been obsessed with tool for 30 years and he's nowhere near as he's, he's, a non-tool fan compared to what I've turned into. But nevertheless, thank you, David, for uh, turning me on the tool. If you've read my tool post, you've probably seen me mention him because I usually do. But uh, I sat down in the chair and I put on a pair of headphones and I started that album and I remember I remember as clear as can be that I got about maybe one minute, if that, into Numa. So I had to listen to the first song, Fear Inoculum. I think Fear Inoculum is the first song. I had listened to it, finished it, and it was just blown away. It was already at the point where I, and th- this happens to me through life, this has happened by far the most with Tool, uh, Jethro Tull, and Rush. Not not as much with Panic, um, and really not as much. I, I may think of another another example, but those three come to mind quickly. What maybe Yes is another one where I start listening to it for the first time. And usually this goes on for forever after the first time. Certain songs, and, and in a lot of cases, a lot of songs, I can't get through the song because I like it so much that I rewind it, I, you know, start it back at the beginning. And I can tell you that I didn't do that with Fear Inoculum, but I, I almost think Either I did it with Numa, or I was so fucking close to hitting the start over because it was I was I was so blown away by how I was I, I was my body I had chills for the entire time that I was listening to the first album, the the whole time I was sitting in the chair, and I and pretty early on into it, I realized, wait a minute. This is the first time in 13 years that I've heard new songs by a band that I'm obsessed with. Like, fucking no wonder this is happening. But I had never thought about 
the the how deep the significance of hearing a new Tool album had been for every one of the albums prior until I was having that experience with Fear Inoculum. And, um, and it, what's, what's really funny about this is during that walk yesterday, see how I wrapped that right back around to the walk with Steve? I found myself thinking, okay, it's been about a year now, so it's July 17th, so it's 11 months. So we'll call it 330 days. And I've fucking listened to that album near daily, if not multiple times daily. And there are, there are dozens of days, dozens and 20, 30, 40 days at least that I have listened to it multiple times usually start to finish just about every single workout that i have done since it came out i have listened to it um i whatever for whatever it's worth i have not yet listened to it today but um there have been days not so many where i didn't listen to it a whole time through and and a handful of days probably you know i'm sure there's 20 30 days that i didn't listen to it at all but that album, when it came out right away, immediately, I, I believe it the day it came out, but it, it could have been on the pre-release. It, it may have been before it came out. I wrote a Facebook post and I said, this essentially, this is, the, this is arguably the best collection of songs that I've ever heard. To, in my opinion, beginning to end this unit of music to me can go head to head with any any album by any band that I've ever heard and I and I knew that after listening to it once well I don't remember the exact date I, and I, actually I went on to say um, that Numa I made a made a very specific comment about how significant the song Numa was well the album went on to be the album of the year and Numa I believe, I don't know the stat around it, but Numa, I believe, has become the, their most their most popular song or most well-received song that they've ever written. So the answer to your question or the, the response to, to you saying that there was a period that you were only listening to Panic, you and I were in that same thing and probably were in it for quite a long time together, but the Tool album has permeated my fucking soul and it there and i'm i'm sitting here with chills right now just thinking about this next statement they they wrote an album that in my opinion may as well be like the fucking theme of the covid-19 the entire they they that album embodies humanity right now and it came out three months before you know three four months before all this happened so it it, it is i'm 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 back to your comment about writing a phd dissertation i'd like to fucking write one on fear inoculum and i we could sit here and talk for five hours about we could just have a discussion purely about my my and perhaps other people's thoughts on 
the connection between Numa and Schism, which was on one of their previous albums. Um, I like so. I came to this. I came to this point on the walk yesterday, where, where I was like, "Well, fuck." I mean, worst case, if if things are not going well on this discussion with Brian, I'm going to just start talking about Tool, and you know, I'll, I'm going to use that as my escape. Man, I've done <laughs> so. multiple podcasts about Tool and Maynard, and Maynard does jujitsu, and yep. is is a purple belt under a guy I've got been fortunate enough to train with two times Hicks and Gracie, but I have a friend, Jack Toffer. He lives in LA and he was just working out with Hicks and Gracie yesterday at his house. And that's the guy who ranks Maynard. Um, Jack's profile pitcher. He's training with Maynard. Jack comes out to Arkansas usually twice a year to teach a seminar at my uh, martial arts Academy. So it's a, it's a cool connection. When Colby and I went to see a perfect circle, Jack was trying to get me to like do a private lesson for Maynard. Cause I have, I'm a jujitsu black belt, right. but it, um, it didn't work out, but man, Jack has trained with the guy a few times and I, like us having our reverence for him. I was like, what would it be like to teach that guy jujitsu? Like, I mean, I would just treat him like I've never talked to you and I'm, you know, I'm sure I, I'm like, geeked out on you a couple of times but man Maynard would be a little different to hold my composure with like oh my oh God. yeah I mean just to treat him normal would be like a little more challenging to not just well I think so this is good um uh I I mean I'm having a fucking blast by the way I'm I'm I, I want to state this on the record for the record to the people that are watching um that again, you know, I didn't know what, I didn't really know what to expect of, of what we were going to be doing here. Clearly I knew we were going to talk about a podcast and we we're going to talk, or we we're going to have to do a podcast. We we're going to talk about music. Panic was going to be in like, yes, I understand conceptually what a fucking interview is, but um, I have been doing podcasts such as this from the other side of the table for a while and this is the way that i this is the only way that i like to do it free for all you know it goes where it goes it's as long as it needs to be and it is what it is and if people like it fuck yeah and if they don't then the you know the address bar is right there at the top and you can just type in you know whatever go fuck yourself.com or wherever you want to go for what you need that was kind of harsh but it, it worked out but now what's happening is just it's music to my it's music to my consciousness because i think that where we're going here is maybe into the first of multiple maybe tool specific discussions and i'm going to say that so i totally agree with you on manner like it there would it would seem that that there would need to be a tremendous amount of preparation for to be able to pull, hold up to pull that off for either of us. The reality is that's a bullshit way of either of us thinking about it. And I'm just so I'm going to I'm going to pre call us both out on that. It's that that goes against what I know I'm about. And I know that now just from this hour, I know what you're about. And you're you know, you're about the connection. You're about the the 
making the connection and and letting it unfold in a in an authentic way that it, that is whatever it's supposed to be so as hard as it would be to do that with Maynard I will tell you that I've had the opportunity to do that very thing with Danny Carey who's kind of he's kind of my guy he's my brother's a drummer has been a drummer for my whole life he introduced me to Tool and Danny obviously is is beyond dis description as far as it goes with percussion so there was a natural pretty tight fit there for me but coming out here to LA I have had exposure to a couple venues where Danny plays with jazz musicians and a couple specific jazz musicians um uh Doug Webb is one of them he plays with a band called the the Doug Webb I don't know if it's, I think it's just called the Doug Webb Group. Um, and they play at a venue called the Baked Potato, which just as a side note, weirdly enough, there is a live stream tonight. No, I'm wrong. I think it was last night. And I had a conflict, so I didn't, wasn't able to stream it. But Danny plays at venues that are like the, the Baked Potato is holds 68 people. And he, so I've had an opportunity to see him play at the Baked Potato uh, three or four times. I should, I could have for the past 15 years, probably 150 times, but I, I, I finally made my way over there, got to meet Danny and see him play from, I'll put it this way, his drum kit was roughly the distance that my monitor is from me right now so after the after and during those shows i actually had an opportunity and i, I can tell you that when i had the opportunity to speak to him two particular occasions one was um i would say it was if the album came out in august of 2019 it was uh, winter of 2018 and the, you know, there's all the, all the controversy about how long it took and, you know, all the, all the social media bitching and moaning. Why is the new album out? Not out yet. You know, all it just, yeah, I'm sure you saw plenty of the, the nonsense. Well, just like on Facebook, I thought, you know what? Number one, all of that that those comments are bullshit and it's it's not it's not helping anyone it's certainly not helping the band be more motivated to do anything so at the set break i went up to uh, i went out to the little there's a little smoking area behind the baked potato and danny was sitting down just kicking back with you know randoms just like whoever walked back there me being the person who was walking back there at this point and that, you know, they were all talking to him and I was kind of listening what people were saying, just kind of, you know, try, I guess, trying to gauge, like, what are people supposed to say when they're beginning a conversation with their Danny Carey in this situation and try, I mean, trying to figure out what the fuck I was going to say, but I had something that I knew that I wanted to say, 
which was to basically just tell them, hey, look, you know, I've been listening to you guys forever and you're amazing. You know, I'm sure I mentioned something about my connection to the drums. And I said, like, I just want you to know that whenever the album comes out, obviously I'm looking forward to it. I hope it comes out sooner rather than later. But whenever it comes out, I can tell you that it's going to be unbelievable. And I like, it'll be worth it. Whenever, if it's a year from now, if it's five years from now, it'll be worth it. And, you know, so I just want you to know that, I, that, that people like me really appreciate the, the process and everything else. And so he said, he goes, well, I just hope it's good and that you guys like it. And I'm like, look, dude, I, it's going to be good. I, I, I understand why you'd be saying that, but I have no doubt that it's going to be way more than good. Well, then the album came out and then I had the opportunity to go and see him with the jazz band a couple months later. And I literally, I walked up to him and I'm like, I, I said, I don't even know how to express to you how good the new album is. I, I like, it's, it's so beyond anything that I could have imagined. And, you know, the, when we, when we spoke here the last time, I remember the comment you made, and I just want to assure you, it's, uh, that's not like a space shuttle just drove by. Was that loud? Was that insanely loud? That was kind of loud. Aren't you on like the 30th floor? I'm on the 14th, but that was, okay. a, that was a kind of on the louder side of a daytime car driving by, but uh, th th that happens pretty often. So anyway, so I, I'm like, you know, this, this, uh, you, know, you saying you hope it's good. Well, trust me it's more than good and then then i was actually able to basically say the same thing about the tour because i had just seen them play here in la and i was like i mean because i i had asked him the first time around when do you think that you guys are going to tour he said well the album should be out probably in the fall we're very close to done and i would imagine that we'll that we'll do a tour and come to la you know pretty much pretty much right away and i said are you sure you're going to come to la or are you going to come to some you know town that's conveniently two hours away since allegedly maynard fucking hates la and he's like no we'll come to la so um so after that that show i was like i mean it's just the the con the, the contrast of seeing him so one of the other venues is a place called the, uh, it's called Casablanca, I think. And I happened to see that he was playing there. Um, this was two years ago, I believe, two and a half, about two and a half years ago. And I had never been there. So Stacy and I, my girlfriend, we go, I'm like, can we just leave kind of early? And she's like, well, what does that mean? She said, when does it start? And I said, well, the doors... I'm always like really ambiguous with this. I'm like, well, doors say eight, but I don't know if that's when it starts. Or, but, but what I really knew is I want to get there fucking way earlier than she wants to get there. So we compromise. We roll up to this place, park behind the uh, park in the parking lot behind the restaurant venue, 
and walk through the back door. So that one's way quieter. Um, we walk through the back door into a completely empty room, em empty and dark and fairly large and empty for a restaurant. And uh, I'm, I'm lo literally looking around like, I don't, I'm not sure if anyone's here. I look up and I see uh, a couple people sitting in a booth and I'm like, hey, do you guys work here? And they said, yeah. And I said, is, there, is the, the band, is there a band playing? And they're like, yeah, they're starting at eight. I'm like, oh, okay. I look and it's around 7.30 at this point. And I'm like, what? what's going on here? Like, why am, why am I the only one in this place? Well, we end up having a table where I, then this is, this is not an exaggeration. And I'll post, I'll find the pictures of this too and post them for you. Our table was directly in front of what was about a, probably a 10 foot stage. But when I say in front, what I mean is that my girlfriend and I were sitting at a two-top table that was round, and me sitting back in my chair like normal, I could put my foot up on the front of the stage. So Danny's bass drum head was, was maybe six or so feet directly in front of me. So now, when I have seen them play after that, on the latest tour with him playing with Tool. And it's this massive, massive, just overwhelming experience. I have that other perspective where it adds something that's, it's a very unique experience to hear the playing on this giant grand scale, but have experienced it on the, you know, in, in, in very close, time proximity experience the same person playing the same drum drum set and it, and in some cases very similar music but while you're sitting and having you know grilled chicken and your feet are propped up on the stage so point of all that being i've had i've had a handful of opportunities to talk to danny and what i'll say is even though i was completely like well able to just have a conversation with him weirdly enough my mom had I'm, i made my mom go see them in ventura like two weeks after the show where my feet were up on the stage and she went super early so she could get a seat as close as possible as to him and she also at the end of that night i get a text from my mom and it's her with her arm around danny her arm like around Danny Carey. So what I'll say is that I was fine with having the conversation with him. And you know, it was there's not like no huge, it was like three minutes. But I can also own up to the fact that afterward, in both cases, I was like, oh yeah, I just feel like a fucking dipshit. <laughs> so <laughs> oh man, like and then <clears throat> I was which I, I have never talked to Maynard yet, <clears throat> but you know, a couple, another guy I had on the podcast has trained with him multiple times. Um, is this guy's out in New York. So anytime Maynard's out there, he's the guy that works with him. And they apparently know the guy that runs the security on the tours um, it, it, through jujitsu. I guess that guy does jujitsu too. I don't know, but um it's uh, you know, it, it would be interesting uh, to, to try and teach that guy an arm bar. 
You know what so I'm saying? Here? So how many how many levels of is how do the belt progressions work? Okay, so jujitsu, like one thing one of my coaches <laughs> says that I think is a pretty accurate statement is like getting a black belt in jujitsu is like it's like the PhD of martial arts. Um, like I own one of the larger gyms in our state. Um, it, it, we're the second largest on like square footage, right? It, it's your gym. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. and we just we just doubled in size this year. That's a, another thing. But uh, it's like the, it, it took me 11 years and four months of doing what I'm doing and growing a very large gym, being very successful and having lots of students mm -hmm. to even earn my black belt. Like 11 years and four months of doing it is a is a total lifestyle, right? right. Um, and I was in college for part of that, but I've I've been teaching martial arts since 2012. So, um, you know, that's, you do see, that's why you see a lot of, um, spinoff jujitsu stuff. Like I kind of podcast about everything I'm interested in, honestly. Right. Um, and it's, uh, it's just become, I'm sure like when, what I was going to kind of, we can talk about this is it seems like naturally progression wise, tiny had experiences and in, in your podcasting that you're doing in your photography or just a natural extension of yourself. Like, I know that's what, like my podcast, it, it, it became that more and more as I was doing it, but it just became an extension of everything I was involved in and everything I was interested in. And, and honestly, I think balanced me out because I do like talking to people. And when I, start, I started lecturing and podcasting and all at the same time, and then I teach martial arts classes, so it really, I think, balanced me out as a person to be able to just engage like that and to engage and talk with people, I, you know, instead of just like burdening my wife, Cora, who's a saint, with, um, you know, all of my ideas and all of my interests, because they're, they're numerous. Uh, right. I can just make a show, just a sideshow, right? So um, it's, I do five different spinoff shows on my, on my podcast, but it's, um, and then most of the episodes end up like this one, and we talk about all of them in one episode. Right. Right. And in all of your interest too. That's kind of the goal of like the, the life unraveled. It's like, hey, we're all experiencing this. What's your experience been like? You know? Uh, and one thing I love about get back on your content, man, is that whether it's a yoga meditation or, or meditations or, or yoga class, I've seen you share some virtual yoga classes. We offer yoga here at our academy. Um, but it's just like you do, you kind of share your life. So I feel like, you know, I, I get to experience life through your eyes sometimes when you're walking Steve and doing dinner in a movie, uh, right. all of these things. So it's like, that's like a podcast in and of itself in a way. Right. And it is, it's creative that you do these things. Cause I don't see anybody else doing them, but that's, it's just unique. You know, I, I, I can't, uh, I can't say enough about it. I obviously am a fan, but um, one thing well, that I'd like to, let me, let me, uh, let me chime in on this. Cause it's, and you know, I'm not going to get choked up right now, but I'm, but it's, it's like right on, it's kind of a topic that could veer into that for sure. Just my way of kind of making sure, you know, that it's, this is a very significant thing that I'm going to express to you. That'd be fucking weird if I just forgot what it was right now. Like literally right now, it's as happened. I'm saying this, I just forgot what I was going to express. 
Um, I'm not going to forget it. So it's amazing to me to hear what you just said. It's, it, you know, it's, it's validation and it's, it's an expression of someone's appreciation. It's an expression of someone's understanding. And in fact, it, in this case, what I'm getting at is your, your interpretation or better yet, the experience that my content elicits in your thoughts or in your, your you know, mind, in your consciousness, subconscious, whatever it is, whatever that experience is, that looking at a video that I do or a live stream or reading or whatever, whatever it is, it's very validating that for all the reasons that we've talked about before, just because, you know, you, you hope that you can have an impact on someone. But it's, it's a road that is, it's a very, um, it's not exactly a lonely road so much as it's a, um, it's, it's entirely fueled by intuition and instinct and, and a willingness to, a willingness to be vulnerable to the idea that what you're doing may not make any sense to people. People could, you know, people could be bothered by it for some reason. They could question, you know, they question your motives or your intention or this or that or the other. And the list goes on and on and on. But at the end of the day, getting back to why I do it, it actually is because regardless of how much I wish that it wasn't this simple, I actually think that some of this stuff that I'm putting out there is actually worth creating an experience of that other people can enjoy. So I want, like, I think that there's a value to it. I, I make the content, I post the picture, I write the paragraph because I believe that in that moment, I happened upon an experience that was worth fucking sharing with people. And that's, that's at the end of the day, that's all that it is. Now, on the other side of that sort of lonely, unchartered, I'm not sure what people think or, or how they feel about this, is the, the fact that there's no rules. Like, if it, it's funny, and a great example of this is um, uh, yesterday, two days on actually, what I mentioned about the thought about tool, I think happened two days ago. Because yesterday, I was getting ready to do a live stream of Steve. And I thought to myself, just for just for a split second, I thought to myself, well, I can't do another live stream of Walking Steve. Like I just did one of those yesterday. And then I thought to myself, why the fuck is that rule there? Like there's no, that, that is nonsense that I like it is there. There are no, like 
I'm going to do what inspires me and what I think I should do. And again, if, if you don't like the content that you're seeing online, just don't keep looking at it. Like I can tell you, the internet for me, it's an amazing place because when I see stuff that is not going to improve my day or my thoughts in that moment, if it's not something that's educational to the degree that I need to know it and I need to absorb it in that moment, I just don't fucking look at it. You know, no offense to you. I just, I, it's just not my thing. So it's a, it's a, it's like a blessing and a curse where when there are no rules to sort of what you're doing and how you want to, there's no, there's guidelines, I guess. There's, there's sort of, there's, there's topics that I tend to gravitate to and film and talk about, but it's, it's a, I think at the end of the day, it's really freeing. It's a, it's a really freeing journey with no absolute destination, but with this goal at every step of the way that like you can, you can sit back and say, yeah, you know, that thing that I did today, that thing that I put out there, that picture that I took, like, I remember the picture. I know why I took it. It had a meaning and, and that's special enough. So, um, I, I think that you, that the way that you described how your podcast has gone, it's like, that's exactly how it should, you know, like, it should be a discussion about the shit that you're into and your, your willingness to own those passions and to, to own them in a way where you're willing to talk about them and put it out there. That that's something that I don't think that many people are willing to do. I think people, people, um, there, there's a lot of fear around, people really understanding what you're all about and knowing the, the truth of, of what makes you tick. And I just found myself, you know, over the past few years and especially during what we're going through now, you, you know, in your, in your uh, outline, you mentioned that you might want to talk about LA during the, the yeah. COVID, you know, I, I'll say that right now when, you know, when we're we're all dealing with this thing that that no one knows what the fuck's going on no one knows everyone thinks they know this and that and the other about you know should do masks work do they not work you know what why are we on lockdown again should we go to school should we not go to school you know is there a fucking conspiracy and it did i could just go on with phrases for probably the next hour we all know that that is the existence that we have right now. So what the fuck better time for me to do a live stream for two hours of badass scenery out the window while listening to some meditation? Like if not now, I don't know when I would ever think that it was okay to do shit like that. So that's kind of the journey that I'm on and it, and it holds true with podcasts. You know, it's uh, about, Six weeks ago, I'm not sure if you've kept up with the um, the quarantine beer chugs shows that Art O'Leary and I have been doing, but he uh, 
yeah, he's a really great friend of mine. And we kind of came up with this idea to do these shows. And there were no rules to what it was going to be. We didn't, we didn't decide ahead of time, well, it has to look like this and it has to be that. And this many people have to watch. And there was, it was just, let's just do this. Let's just see what happens. And what has happened with that content is what started as a huge Facebook phenomenon of a 340,000 person ch beer chuggers group that's very active to this day. Um, was, it was created by a dude who wanted to just drink some beer with his friends. And a week later, the group that he created had 100,000 people in it. And today, three months later, it has 340,000 people people wow. in it. So Art and I started doing a show and the show has evolved into a, a phenomenon that's really very similar to what we've been talking about with what we experienced with widespread panic. And this community of people have formed. And I mean, I, I've made 20 close friends in the past six weeks just by doing a show that neither Art nor I had any idea what it was going to be. So that's what I think. Um, the, I think that the creation of, I, I call it experiential content. I think that that's just a doorway into connecting people. And I mean, I get, I get instant messages weekly from people that I've never met who I've quickly become friends with and you know I can't the, the the hundreds if not thousands of people that know who Steve the dog is thanks to my dumbass videos of him like they're great he, man so they're great like they brighten my day like there's a, the one of the first ones I watched Steve peed on like every tree oh yeah right he and I, I was like I have a dog Didn't you too. comment on that one yes I did yeah. Right. But I tell you, the first post I ever commented on of yours, I was starting to recognize you at the panic shows and I'd friended you. And it was the first time you had popped up in my feed, I want to say. And I just commented, tiny hat. What right? was the what was the I want to say you, you were like outside of a panic show. It might have been the New York run, but I could be wrong. But it was like I'd I'd friended you around that time and right. like I saw you posting and you were at some I want to. So almost guaranteed say so you were at a panic show that I wasn't at and um because I remember you posting a lot on that New York run and like uh, oh yeah I was everywhere that I mean I have I have probably 50 hours of live streams from all around New York City which to be honest with you <laughs> and maybe somehow the right person will hear this and if anyone is watching knows or Brian, maybe you know about this, but the, the ability to catalog and search and retrieve in any organized fashion live streams on Facebook from your own account is piss poor. So I have a ton of the streams that I did from New York that you know, a, a week after I did them, New York fucking closed. And New York probably will never be the same as it was before it closed. And so, you know, streams of just 
trap just people walking around Times Square, just like me walking. I, I walked probably a hundred miles that week. So it, it's, uh, it's been interesting to, it's been interesting for me to look back on things like that New York trip and think to myself, I wonder why I was so motivated to make live streams of just random people walking through Times Square and you know me walking down the street. I don't know, I, I can't tell you for sure, but there's content that happened to, to come out of that that is kind, in some respects maybe historically significant. And it was just, my intuition was just like, hey, like this seems like a good thing for me to capture. And I had like, you would not believe the shit that happened to me in there. Some stuff that one, one stream in particular that I would love to find where I was sitting on, uh, sitting on Broadway and was about to go into a subway station and the, these randoms, three people, a guy, his, what turned out to be his soon to be wife and their friend like ran up to me and they were like, what are you doing? Who are you? What's going on? And I was like, I'm just kicking back live streaming. I'm like, who are you guys? And they proceeded to tell me this whole story and how they, I, I can't remember if they had just got married or if they were just about to get married. And they were just as happy as could be to just be like, oh yeah, let's see. We, we just want to be in this random person's video. So it's, uh, it's interesting. The topic of, the, the topic of what content is good content is one that I think about a lot and it carries over deep into things like just podcasting in general. But um, I, who knows how many people agree with our perspective on this. I mean, I'd be interested to hear what, what, uh, what's the feedback that you've gotten. Well, I, you know, I've talked with Cora about this several times and, is like I get messages too, and it, it's happened. I've, my podcast has gained more momentum and viewership across the board over the last probably well since the shutdown. Right. And I get messages a lot and comments a lot, and it is interesting because I make these connections with people I never thought I would make connections with, right? But I also think, in a way, sociologically, that we're commentating on a new social leap forward like what you commented on about new york maybe that things will never be the same i've thought a lot about that and literally on a week's notice i had to pivot all five of my college classes and just start teaching all of them online i was teaching all five of them face to face and that may happen again this fall but it's like what were the how, classes just out of curiosity um I, this fall i'm teaching uh western civilization one uh u.s history one which goes to the civil war and arkansas history so i teach our state history class okay uh, that's what i've got this course load. i teach western civ two and uh u.s history two as well so that, we're just a community college so i teach kind of all the gen eds my master's thesis was on a uh, topically over the history of martial arts it's that's the short version it was more intricate than that but um <clears throat> i think that we're gonna 
take a lot of leaps forward. Like why I keep commenting about your stuff is because I feel like if I was around you, I would probably try and hang out with you. You know what I'm saying? Hey man, I mean, I don't, I'm not really awesome at geography, but hop on a plane when that shit's safe and come out here to LA. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know if you like, we'll get to LA in just a minute, but I'm sure like we, you know, I, I do hang out with plenty of people who I know just the same way. And that's, that's what life is about. As far as I can tell, you know, it's like building those connections. Well, and that, uh, these, this content creation we keep talking about seems to be the conduit. It's the conduit for these social experiences. Like imagine, um, you know, I keep thinking about, like I mentioned being homeschooled earlier and like the pitfall of that experience for me is I was not around other people very much at all. Um, like my parents went to church and that was my only social experience. Right. Um, but that I've just been thinking about people's social interactions and like, I didn't podcast for a couple weeks after the lockdown and when I did, if you looked back on any of my episodes, like the first 10 I did, I was like, a person, oh, I haven't seen a person in a while. You know, like I just haven't left my house and I haven't done a podcast and I haven't been at the gym. The gym's closed. We had to close. But it's just like to see a person, I noticed like this weird change in my behavior of like, I'm sitting there waiting on you to, to log in and I click approve. And then it's like, right, you know, and it's because I'd been without that interaction and I likened back to when I was a kid. And I wonder how many, if it's, if we will be making, just cause we're capable, technologically capable, if we will be making more contacts and interactions like this as a society moving forward in education, information delivery, et cetera. That's interesting to me. Well, but, I can, I mean, I, I've I've actually done quite a number of live streams in the past year where I've during the course of the of the conversation that was going on whatever whatever the topic was whether it was you know something about Steve or something about a panic show or anything you know about COVID about whatever there's a lot of places where I talk about the significance of the the medium itself for connecting people. And th these, these conversations and comments way, way preceded this lockdown. And they all came from me seeing how social media has evolved over the past you know, decade. And the, I think that the, the response that I would have to, your, to that comment that you made is that unquestionably, absolutely positively, this the way that we're using social electronic communication and connections such as with this is in its infancy to what it will become and whether it will the way that it will evolve in terms of the effectiveness that it, that there is to so like if you think back um in fact this shirt view is a company that I started uh, about five years ago. And it was a dating app that was called View. And it, it was a short-lived 
endeavor, um, primarily because my partner and I decided to, to kind of part ways. But the concept of view was interactions that were very authentic and real time. There was, there, there was not a profile in view. It was everything had to be live. Now, ironically enough, this was way before I started live streaming on Facebook. But the point being that, that, that humanity has, has had this deep desire to ha be more connected people like what you just said, you're not the only person who, who's having that experience where you're going stir crazy at home and you have this, you have this human interaction and it's very significant to you. And right away, you know, your whole body psychology, your, 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 your whole physiology changes instantly. Well, another person could look at that and say, oh yeah, but you didn't, like you and Mike didn't, like, like you didn't really get to hang out with Mike because you guys did it over the computer. Well, that's a limiting belief on how, on, uh, on the impact that it can have. And so as far as I'm concerned, we're, we're just now in the beginning of how these technologies are gonna evolve and how they're gonna be used. And there's still gonna be a need and a, and a desire and an existence of plenty of, of true physical contact, but there's a whole new respect and understanding that's gonna develop for the impact of non-physical connection. And I think that that's, that's something that, that this situation with COVID has, has pretty much put on turbo and when this all ends as we see it today, it's going to, whatever, whatever the, the new way is, number one, it's gonna evolve into that new way very gradually, gradually. And number two, as it's evolving, this shit's gonna be going on the way it's already going on more and more and more and more. You know, whether it's people having Zoom calls for their work, everyone's gotta work from home, whether it's people having podcasts, whether it's, you know, me talking to my new nephew or me seeing my new nephew who I've never met, but I've seen only on live streams. It's th this, I've said it plenty of times before and great time to say it again, live streamed media and live streamed interaction is not going anywhere it's going to just get more and more and more and more it's going to be it's going to merge with life itself um that that's that's what i believe and that's that's why the content of just random things like steve walking around we're we're going to start seeing quite a bit more of it whether it'll be in a month whether it'll be in a year um, i don't know but it's those ways of connecting are on the rise and they will hit a point soon that rises rapidly. That's, that's my, keep this one on recording for, uh, for that little statement there, just in case, just in case it's right. We'll make it a clip. All right. Yeah, um, yeah man. And I think, um, you know, big events like this pandemic, uh, 
seem to kind of always open the door for, like you said, it will be a gradual process, but it, there's always like some sort of event that kicks the snow, you know, kicks the snowball down the hill that becomes the, the avalanche when it hits the bottom. So I'm, I'm just, it's interesting we're part of it. And um, it's everybody, the buzzwords, unprecedented time. Uh, and yeah, on a lot of, and I've just been trying to say, yeah, but there's so many silver linings here, right? About yeah. all, all of the stuff that's going on, all of the innovations we're seeing society make, not necessarily in terms of responding to the virus, but working with the virus, like working alongside, you know, coexisting in this environment where we don't really know what's going on. Right. And uh, so. Well, but, so, you, um, so what, what's it like in Arkansas? Like how, what's the vibe like? What's a, what's a day like? We have um, a really conservative governor that until yesterday said that he was not going to pass a mask mandate because he, that it wouldn't be enforceable. And then he passed the mask mandate yesterday, which there's a lot of Arkansans be talking and being very divided on this right now. But um, I think, I, you know, I, I've talked with a lot of people. I've made posts trying to gauge just where everybody's at. And I have no problem with it. I own a business. I have no problem with it. It's like, oh, you're telling me that we might get back to normal a little sooner. Okay. Yeah. If you're not six, part of, uh, six feet apart from that person, wear a mask, please, uh, while you're inside my business, if you're not exercising. You know, so it's, it's going to be weird. A lot of the sheriffs and police, law enforcement in our communities, not just my community, we are in a, one of the larger towns in the state. Um, but there's, there are sheriffs in our state that say, well, we're not going to support this. We're not going to enforce it. Like, you want us to take your mask narking phone calls and stuff. Like there's been some weird press about it already and just people making posts and like we've hit on this a few times. Like I want, it's the only thing that sucks about this other than people dying of the disease of this disease is people being on my feed that are not enriching my life through their commentary of what's going on. Right. Like I'm scared too, man. I've had <laughs> sleepless nights too. And have you know, Joe, I heard Joe Rogan talk about this on his podcast with Bob Saget, but he gets tested like every day and he's still like, am I having a hard time breathing here? Is this it? Do I have COVID? This is Joe Rogan. Yeah. He said that uh, uh, the Bob Saget <clears throat> podcast was real good. Um, but uh, Bob Saget is 64. Isn't that crazy? But um, it, I was like, well, yeah, you know, it is tipped everybody's anxieties and hypochondria and fear of the government like that, I would say that is we're we're a red state, you know. We're a conservative state, and it's um, I've seen a lot of that chatter that kind of not to. I have conservative friends, and I'm they're still my friends. I don't care, but seeing some of the it's you know I'm seeing a lot of chatter from that sector, and then I'm seeing a lot of other chatter about like put the damn mask on, you know. And I'm just kind of like to each their own guys. You guys are being super negative over here though. And you stop <laughs> mass shaming them. And right. I'm just going to wear the mask just because it's altruism, man. Like it's the best thing I, it's the best thing I could do to, to be selfless right now, you know, of just like, well, maybe it helps me. Maybe it helps Cora. Maybe it helps my student. I don't know. And until we know, 
I'm open to trying new shit. And I did not wear, I've been wearing a mask anytime I go inside anywhere. I wasn't going anywhere initially. And then like I went a few places and I didn't have one on and I, like I got paranoid. We wore one everywhere in Florida and like our servers were bringing us food, not wearing one. I thought that was interesting. I was just like, Right. But it's it's played on anxieties uh, in a way. And I, I see that in the chatter of the digital space in our state. You know, New York and Connecticut, New Jersey passed travel bans on us like 10 days ago because we, really? we have been exploding in cases, honestly, because and I think we're going to see a little bit more of that the South stereotypically, for whatever reason, uh, did not, I think, deal with things as well regionally. Right. <clears throat> other parts of the country i think uh the county by county approach has been one thing i've chimed in on that seems to be like successful for for states dealing with they take a county by county look at the cases and they they tailor a plan based on what's going on in the county so but anyway yeah i mean here it's uh we just cut we just went back into I mean, I, to be honest with you, I don't know. This is this is how this is how bizarre it is to answer your question on the on your little outline. Life in L.A. with coat. Well, actually, there were two. I think one was life in L.A. with Steve the dog. I'll just throw on with COVID. Um, it's uh, so on March thirteenth, we we started our lockdown. And on March 13th, I don't think anyone really knew what the fuck that even meant. I know I didn't know what it meant. I didn't, I like, I was like, okay, well, I I guess we're going to see what happens here. And it was a Friday, but by, by the middle of that weekend, Sunday, I remember I went to Beverly Hills and took a bunch of pictures and what, and also did a couple live streams uh, down in Santa Monica on the beach and within the span of about three days, the city completely ceased to have any similarities to what it was the previous week. And out here on Wilshire, where I live, where there's eight lanes of traffic right below me, there was zero traffic to the point where, and I didn't do this, so someone watching is not gonna have the ammunition to tell me how irresponsible I am, however, I wanted to, and in fact, I'll even go so far as to say I regret not doing this. Taking Steve out one night, or, or du- really during broad daylight on this, like a Sunday morning was when I was thinking of doing it, and having him just sit directly in the middle of the intersection on Wilshire that's right outside my door of eight lanes of what would be traffic, but where he's just sitting posing for a picture right in the middle, like just in the dumbest place for your dog to ever be, because there was simply no, no one was out. There were no cars, there was no traffic, there was no noise. It was like, it was not LA as everyone knew it. And that continued for most of the time. So I would say three, Three to four weeks ago, probably th- it's three weeks ago, maybe we started, you know, a gradual reopening. But of course, that was reversed. Um, I think on the fourth of July, or or right after, maybe the, the 
Monday after the 4th of July, just this past Monday, I think, mm-hmm. we, we apparently are back to none of, that nothing is open. And so it's, uh, it's been really a pretty unique and, you know, to use the word you used already, it's an unprecedented experience. And it's one where you mentioned you went out after having not gone anywhere for a while, you went out and went to some store or whatever, and, and you like got paranoid is the word you used. And that's exactly, that's, that's what it's like. You, like, you don't, you've never had an experience of walking into a fucking grocery store and feeling a feeling that is most similar to like a fear and a, or a paranoia or a, or a, a, a discomfort at the whole environment that a week prior was was a grocery store and that's the thing that's been the most that's that's been the most significant feeling that i have on a day-to-day basis and it's even something as simple as just walking down the street the 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 way that you are and are not sort of supposed to interact with people based on social distancing, based on masks, masks, based on what if a person walks up and wants to pet Steve the dog, now do I start thinking about, you know, well, okay, what am I getting into there? So it's, it's a very unprecedented experience. And it's one that I think about pretty much constantly, that and tool. <laughs> but, um, but, I, I, but it's like, I don't have any good answers. I don't, I, running to a whole tool song is a great idea. I did it after I saw you do it back on oh, your health yeah. and wellness habits. Dude, it's the best. Yeah, yeah. It's well, Mike, best. I got I actually have to to wrap it up. Unfortunately, dude, I could I feel like I could sit here and talk with you for two more hours, man. Well, we'll do another one. Uh, well, hopefully we can continue because there's definitely things um, I would love to talk with you again in the future. So maybe we can wait a few weeks and do it again or something. I, I absolutely. I'd love to, man. Yeah. Um, I'm doing another, I've got another guest coming on in a few minutes. We're, we're examining this uh, concept of the, the lost cause myth, which is this idea that the South uh, didn't fight to preserve slavery in the Civil War. It's a history that was taught in the South. They rewrote the history books after Reconstruction until like 1990. Anyway, we're examining that myth as it occurs in film. Right. So, so like Gone with the Wind. Okay. For example, or Birth of a Nation. We did a, a pairing of those. This time we're doing the film Gods and Generals in Gettysburg, if you remember those two. So uh, it's going to be interesting. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to, I got an appointment with them, but man, um, this has been a great talk. I really, I really appreciate you taking the time. I was looking forward to it and um, I'll share it over your way when I get it edited. Perfect, man. I appreciate it. It's been awesome. And I'm looking forward to doing it again. We can, right. you know, whenever, whenever timing works, let's just do it. We don't, the formula is whatever happens, happens. All right, man. Sounds Sweet. great. Have Take a great easy, man. man. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too, brother.